Osiris. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. I am Mary Gaucher, and I am in my studio in Nashville, Tennessee. And what I try to do is make up songs and play them for people. And I wrote a book, and now I have to read it for people. So uh, I am an artist, a creative type, an unemployable, uh, a, a, a person who refuses to abide by other people's rules. Late September, spiders spinning, harvest moon, sky of blue. I am walking, alone and thinking of the years I walked with you. But it was not like an instant, oh, yeah, I can just play the guitar and get up there. You bombed on that stage at first, right? You you couldn't even sing. I mean, that's it was terrifying to read that. You know, someone who is now a Grammy-nominated artist, you got up there and couldn't even sing one song. And that's an incredible journey to go from that to where you are now. Yeah. I mean, this is the price you pay if you're going to start as a singer-songwriter in your mid-30s. It's terrifying. Uh, it, it, and I had to start at the beginning, and everybody at the beginning sucks. Uh, so I had to go through the suck, and I had to go through it in a very public way, and, and, and I knew, I knew for years that I sucked. And I knew that I could get better if I just kept showing up. Like, why, why keep going back? I have no idea. And that is the question. Why do some people work through it and get to the other side and other people give up? I don't know why. I don't know why I didn't say, wow, this is, this is not for me. I don't know why. I just knew that, well, one thing I knew was that it couldn't get worse. Right. <laughs> it can't get worse than freezing on stage and not being able to play at all. So I made little goals for myself, like my next time in, my goal is to complete a song. 
no matter how bad I play or how many times I hit my guitar against the instrument mic, I am going to get to the end of the song. And then I made little goals to to try to make icon. It was so hard for me to open my eyes and look up mm. at the audience who didn't care. And I look up and try to make contact with one person, and then I'd have to look down again. I was just absolutely terrified, and and I had to create these little goals to build the muscle that I I, I eventually call gig tough. That no matter what, at my hair could burst into flames on stage, and I know what to do. Just keep going. Ask for a fire extinguisher. And just keep going. Like I had every single thing that could go wrong had to go wrong, and it didn't kill me. And then I knew I could do it. Again, everybody, you're listening to the show on the road. I'm your audio spirit guide, Zach Lupatin, and this week I bring you on an amazing journey with the songwriter Mary Gauthier. It is an incredible conversation. I can't wait for you to hear. Truckers and troubadours, black coffee and metaphors, steering wheels, late nights and songs. Wake up. In the morning we're gone On the stage, on the road Pack it up, pull the load Thousands of miles left to do Always just passing through Alright, well, is it dark enough to see the stars yet? Well, Mary might have something to say about that. Her new record comes out June 3rd, and we're really excited to share some of the songs before anyone else right here on the podcast. Now that phrase, only when it's dark enough can you see the stars, it comes from Martin Luther King Jr.'s I've Been to the Mountaintop speech, 1968. Actually, his last speech before he was assassinated. Now why did Mary choose that phrase to be the title of her record? Well, maybe ask the families down in Nivaldi, Texas, or the families in Buffalo, New York, who this week are laying to rest their loved ones, their friends, and their families, fathers, daughters, sons, grandparents. And as my mother holds my newborn daughter right outside the window as I record this, I think to myself, what would it feel like if they were taken from me too soon? What would I tell the people that refuse to do the right thing and put common sense gun control limits on the books right now? I don't know. And it's not stopping anytime soon unless we really get out there and say something. There have been 17 mass shootings since Uvalde happened already. And I'm not saying that listening to Mary Gaucher's new album will help you process all this, but it did for me. She's lived through incomparable darkness from her earliest days in Louisiana and from her songwriting beginnings in Boston and now in Nashville. Like many songwriters before her, we could have lost her to addiction and worse. But she made it through, and she's here. And this new record... Well, it's kind of about love and finding love late in life because it's never too late. Is that kind of cheesy? Maybe. But the way she says it, well, 
it's worth listening to the entire story. Dashboards and dials, feeling the miles, missing old friends we knew, always just passing through. I know it seems kind of silly, but I felt the same way after talking to Mary that I did after talking to Ani DeFranco in one of our earlier episodes. I hoped after that she would run for office someday. Now, she won't do that, of course, but we need people with her empathy in charge of our nation. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox now. If you like what you hear, please share the show on the road with your friends. Give us a kind review on the Apple Podcast page. And my band, Dust Bowl Revival, will be playing June 11th at the Venice West in L.A. Please check it out, and we'll see you out on the trail soon. Here she is now, Mary Gauthier. If you were to open a restaurant next week and you had to name it after one of your songs, what would you call it? <laughs> what a good question. Oh, well, it would have to be the title track of the new record, Dark Enough to See the Stars. <laughs> there will be desperation involved if I opened a restaurant uh, at this stage of my life. They are a very physical thing restaurants for me uh, it's 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 uh it's very hard actually uh to to be on your feet that long you know reading some of your book um it reminded me in a way of you know the anthony bourdain kitchen confidential uh kind of tell all but in a much more you know transformative way whereas you know i think he never fully got out of that um dark life sadly, you know, and, um, you know, obviously it's, it hurts that he's not here anymore. Um, and in a way, maybe you would have been lost too, if you didn't leave that world, you know, you I, came I, from. I, prob- I probably would have. And that's such a great question. What a great way to start the conversation. And Bourdain is near and dear to me. Um, Kitchen Confidential is such a good book. Uh, it just blew the lid off the, it just pulled the curtains back and like, okay, here's why you don't order fish on Monday. Here's what personality types are back there in the kitchen. Here's what's actually going on in this business we call the restaurant business. And nobody had done that before. Uh, and so he was a, um, a truth teller. And I'm always, always drawn to truth tellers. Now, I reread that book recently. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of bravado in there. Uh, right. And there's... there's um, you can see his youth in there. And I think as he grew older, he was the first to admit that, that, that there was some of that going on. But you're also correct in that he never got sober. He never got on the other side of the addictions. Um, and uh, uh, that last relationship of his, I think it killed him. And uh, you know, addiction is not just drugs uh, and alcohol and food. It can definitely be sex and love. And, you know, I cover some of that ground myself in my book and in my life. The recovery's hard, man, because every time you think you're, every time you think you're done with the big stuff, there's more big stuff. There's more bottoms underneath the bottom. Unbelievable number of things to deal with being human uh, and having uh, uh, taken some serious blows as a kid, you know. Your new record, Dark Enough to See the Stars, comes out June 3rd. And 
in a way it's kind of a love record. You know, it's Very about much. finding that person who can take you through life and that feeling of searching and searching restlessness. Maybe you finally are able to lay that to rest, which is really hard for anyone to do. Um, and there's pretty much uh, song after song of unabashed, just romantic goodness in here, you know. And for people who are used to your earlier work, there's a lot of dark tales, a lot of uh, songs about overcoming your addictions, about your your father and the alcoholism that you came from. This is not sunshine and light every song, obviously, right? You have to acknowledge the darkness to see the stars. You have to like almost accept where you came from, what you've come through to feel the light in your life. And um, it was very moving. I mean, get, getting through this record last few days. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you know, when I look back on it, I I think of it as uh, a sort of a, um, a, a romantic love record, a hard-earned romantic love, by the way, um, uh, that came to me much later in life. Uh, and and, and uh, true attachment. Uh, I'd never really experienced that fully before, ever. Uh, and also uh, coinciding with this god-awful pandemic where it kicked off with the death of John Prine for me. Right. Actually, before that, David Olney died on stage at the 30A Songwriter Festival, and, and, and he was a good friend of mine and a hero, a songwriting hero to me. And it's just been loss after loss, combined with having a person that I can hold on to and who holds me when I grieve. Uh, so it, it, it is uh, a one-two uh, sort of thing where there's sorrow and there's, and there's love. Uh, and, and they can exist simultaneously in the same heart of an older person who is still developing. Uh, and that would be me. <laughs> and you often uh, are bringing uh, your partner on the road with you, collaborating with her, songwriting, performing. It's a very entwined relationship that's right in the public view. You know? Oh, yeah. And that opening track, Fall Apart World, I think kind of brings us into this scene where um, you talk about how you were stranded, shipwrecked, sidelined. It's like you come out of these dark storms and then it's just right, it's right there. Like, there's my girl. You know, it's like, yep. it's just not, it's not hiding behind like, well, I don't know, it's never going to happen or, or maybe it's, something's going to go wrong. It's just like, no, no, it's happened. <laughs> it's here. Against all nice. odds. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really strange to 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 talk about finding a person that you know is the person uh, uh, in a way that that kids write about this, you know, this is this is almost a a young person's collection of emotions happening for me in my late fifties. Um, Better late than never. Exactly. You don't want to peak too early is the theme of uh, uh, of the record. I had to grow up. I had so much growing to do. Uh, and I had so much um, uh, to, to heal from that it, it, it is just my story that I do everything later. And I didn't come to Nashville to become a musician until I was 40. Uh, everything for me is later than average. 
Uh, and that continues to be the story. You know, I signed my first music publishing deal uh, uh, around my 60th birthday this year. And so I'm writing with people who are Amazing. 40 years younger than me. And I'm helping them to articulate their emotions and their truth. And it's a privilege to be given this opportunity to do it. I love it. How did you and Jamie meet? At a songwriting workshop. Well, she is a songwriter herself. Um, and she, she wrote Amsterdam with you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She wrote uh, How Could You Be Gone as well uh, with me. Um, and I wrote a couple of the songs with her that on her record that's coming out next year. But she's a magnificent songwriter and uh, also an incredible singer. Uh, and while we do work together, uh, she will also be on her own doing her own thing as well. So we're gonna weave in and out and see how we can make that work. I, I think it's gonna be fine because uh, I, I have this sense that I gotta write another book which requires solitude. There's just, the timing seems to keep being just fine. No more waiting, no more searching. That song, Amsterdam, you know, it reminds me of how Prine pieces together these very specific um, glimpses of a world, right? Bicycle bells on Rembrandt Street, Spanish shoes on a stranger's feet, newsboy caps, old Dutchman, alley cat with a Cheshire grin, sailor's bar, old cafes, cobblestone carriageways, right? It's like a, it's like a impressionist painting. We're not seeing the entire city. We're seeing these little flashes almost like as you're going by on a little boat you know yeah 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 it it, it, it it's a little bit surreal almost dreamlike that that's what it felt like being in amsterdam in between omicron and delta like there's this little window that yeah. I, I got to drop down into amsterdam and oh my god this hotel that i used to write songs in 20 years ago cost what it costed 20 years ago like the price went down so low that i can afford it again yeah uh, it's like 140 euros for the schiller hotel one week we're in we're gone and it was amazing to to be to be there and to show jamie my favorite sea and to be able to get into all the restaurants and and to to walk the streets without the crowds uh it was uh it was a weird and, and once-in-a-lifetime thing to be there at that in-between moment. In my morbid brain, right, here's some of these songs, and I'm like, okay, there's going to be, like, the twist where something goes wrong in Amsterdam. There's going to be, like, an accident. <laughs> there's going to be, like, some sort of, you know, drug-fueled night on the town. And really, it's just like, no, we're feeling all right. We're feeling all right. And that's that's sort of, like, the release of a lot of these songs is that, something maybe isn't going to go wrong this time. 
Well, there's a sense, and I think that it's in the last verse that, that, you know, when you get older, what you wake up with every day is your mortality. Right. And maybe not even get older since we've just gone through such a period of loss. I mean, a million dead in the United States from COVID-19, Jesus. But you wake up with this sense of this isn't going to last. It's all going to pass. But right now, right here today, I got everything I need. And uh, this gratitude just washes over the narrator, who is me, uh, and this sense of thank you, Lord. Uh, and I know it's not going to always be this way, but it is today, and today is all we have. Hallelujah. Let's celebrate this day. Old streets with you, wide awake, a dream come true. I think if we go back, you know, to your upbringing, right? You came from a really troubled home, right? Oh, and yeah. you know the the drinking and stuff that came from your dad that you know sort of you learned that you that was passed down, right? Um, you know, it could have ruined your life, right? I mean, you had a DUI the day your restaurant's about to open, right? Yeah. And there's this turning point, you know, where, again, you could see the the dark tunnel opening, but some people kind of came to your rescue and you had these moments where you went to the Tuesday night songwriter, you know, in the round at Club Possum in, in Boston, right? Yeah. And you saw the Indigo Girls. Yeah. And you said, like, wait a second, you know, like, this is where I belong. Because right. I wasn't great at restaurants in the beginning either. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't run the kitchen the way I ended up being able to run the kitchen. I had to learn, like like Bourdain again. I mean, he started in Provincetown washing dishes. He was a dishwasher right, right. in Provincetown, and he learned from those crazy cooks down there uh, that that uh, that that he he captures so beautifully uh, in Kitchen Confidential how to do it. And I was. I had to learn, you know, and and I got good enough to be to be uh, uh, to 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 be able to to do a half an hour that wasn't right. a suck, you know. And at that point, I thought I should come to Nashville. So I was forty. I had a good half hour, uh, and I get picked up to work open for John Prine, Nancy Griffith, and Guy Clark. Could mm -hmm. could I learn from better teachers? So I just stood on the side of the stage night after night and watched how they did it. I, I, I had the songs, but in between songs, I didn't know what to do. And I watched what they did and I learned and uh, uh, soaked it in. Um, but there's no way around it. In the beginning, uh, you're at the beginning. And I was so aware of that, uh, that, that I remember standing on stage thinking if I could just get half as good at this as I am at Jambalaya, or gumbo, you know, I can make 20 gallons of gumbo in my sleep. And stirring these giant pots with boat paddles was what I did every day. Um, but, but I couldn't 
stand on stage without trembling because I was so self-conscious. And as soon as, you know, as a performer, as soon as you let the fear in, there's a millisecond delay between being present for the song and, and being afraid. And that millisecond delay throws everything. Uh, and, and it makes it impossible. Well, if you go back to your record in 2005, Mercy Now, which, um, you know, is maybe your most listened to record on streaming, oh, yeah. right? Which we don't get to choose what people listen to, even if it's 15 years old. Some of those songs maybe are painful to hear or sing to this day, right? I mean, a song like I Drink feels like Prine and you got together in a back room hmm. and talked about, okay, how devoted are you to this destruction, right? And there's obviously a little smile behind the words, but it's like your vocation, maybe it was cooking, maybe it was writing, it's also drinking, right? It was like so dominating of this uh, force above you, but you stripped it down to this one sort of hook, right? People do this, some people do this, this is what I do. Yeah. Is that song hard to hear now or is it kind of, almost feel like a movie you were in back in the day. It felt like a movie when I wrote it. I mean, I was five years sober when I wrote I Drink. Um, so I was sitting down trying to write, um, what, I was 27, 28, 29, 31, I was 32 years old. I was trying to write myself into a story where I hadn't quit drinking. What, how, much, how much worse would it be in five more years when your life's already burning down? Right. Uh, when, when I quit, I mean, I was in jail, for God's sakes. He'd get home at 5.30, fix his drink, sit down in his chair, pick a fight with Mama, complain about us kids. Getting in his hair At night he'd sit alone and smoke I'd see his frown behind his lighter's flame Now that same frown's in my mirror I got my daddy's blood inside my veins Fish swim Birds fly, daddy's yell, mama's cry, old men sit and think. I drink, and I got this vision of this character, me but not me, sitting alone in a room in Central Square, where Patty Griffin lived at the time, by the way, uh, sitting alone in a room in Central Square, blaming all my problems on my father. Uh, if you had my life, you'd drink too, kind of mantra. Right. And then this sort of matter-of-fact bravado uh, that this is what I am, this is what I do. Uh, and uh, I know it's a problem and I don't want to talk about it, so don't give me... Uh, any advice, we're going to go to the end of this doing this. Uh, and I know people like that. I, I would have been that person 
if I hadn't have been arrested and had that experience in jail where I realized I need help and then became willing to ask for help. Well, those of us who are able to write, whether songs, fiction, poetry, have this escape portal, right? Where we can actually get out of our own head for a second and experience other characters, other worlds, but also we can process things in this very direct way. I'm not saying people shouldn't go to therapy, but I'm saying like this is a very powerful way to dive into parts of your life that you don't even want to touch most of the Absolutely. time. Absolutely. That's what it's for. I, I did a panel uh, in New Orleans with Ricky Lee Jones. Uh, and we have since become friends. I think she's magnificent. Uh, and in the panel, she said something so beautiful. She said, well, our songs wouldn't be made of much if we didn't have something to heal. Mm. Like, well, that was concise. It took me a whole book to say that. <laughs> she, boom, that's it. The, 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 the soul tends to move towards what it needs to heal when you're an artist. It's what, it's what we do. We can't even help it. Birds fly, daddy's yell, mama's cry, hold me sit and think. Well, you have that mantra from the Gospel of Thomas to open your book, right? Mm -hmm. If you bring forth what is within you, what you bring forth will save you. If you do not bring forth what is within you, what you do not bring forth will destroy you, right? A lot of people keep it deep, deep in there, right? And they go to work and they come home and they play with their kids and then something happens, you know, and they explode and they drive off the road, something, you know, it's like, there's no way to get it out. Right. Um, and the record you were able to do before uh, this new record, um, which is uh, rifles and rosary beads in 2018, um, man, it's like, you're channeling the words of these veterans mm -hmm. and what they went through, helping them process the war trauma that they experienced. Um, were you almost feeling their, um, almost like like you were going into their bodies in, in, in war or were you sort of writing it as uh, an observer of their pain? Um, actually, my experience working with the veterans is more like a midwife. Uh, okay. I didn't have sex, it's not my baby. I don't know anything about war trauma. I haven't been in the military. But what I do know is that if I can help them articulate it using melody as the primary driver uh, and getting some imagery from them, putting it together in song form that I understand with a chorus, a couple of verses, what happens after that is alchemy. It takes what 
could have been the worst experience of their life and turns it into something beautiful. And I don't know of a better way of processing some of this stuff. It's transformative because it connects people to them in ways that, that they get the two words that help, which is, oh man, me too. Me too. Their fellow uh, soldiers, sailors, fly boys, fly girls, their fellow uh, members of the military see themselves uh, in the song and go, thank you. Thank you. I didn't know how to say that, but you said it. The songwriter's job is to help them uh, get their truth into a song so that it can uh, allow them, it will allow them to be seen. And once they're seen, the next step is to have other people see themselves uh, in that song. And so, no longer alone, and that is where the magic is. It's the aloneness that kills us. It's the aloneness that kills us. I watched with tears in my eyes, Ashley Judd talking about her mom mm. on TV day before yesterday. God, that family, wow. You know, you think how lonely and alone uh, that ending was for, 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 for Naomi. And, and, and soldier after soldier is, is contemplating suicide. We've lost more soldiers to suicide than we lost in the 20 odd years uh, of the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. We've lost more to suicide. And it's because of the isolation and aloneness and music and song can help take some of that away. Well, the song, The War After the War, I think nails that with the one word before the hook, right? Invisible. It's like you say it sort of over and over again, like the war after the war, no one's talking about it, right? There's landmines in the living room. Nobody's talking about it, right? We don't want to hear about uh, your pain after you come back. We want you to just sort of reintegrate right into society like it was magic, you know, and that's pretty much impossible for a lot of these guys. It's never been possible in the history of war, and the military knows it. It's time to build programs to help our warriors to come home. Uh, this pretending like it doesn't happen or isn't a problem is such bullshit. Um, it has always been the story Yeah, that, that reintegrating is incredibly difficult, uh, and uh, it's hard on the entire family which then becomes hard on the community. It's a burden and we need to pay attention to, to the statistics, just the sheer numbers of people who are taking their own lives and help them. We sent them, now let's help them. Who's gonna care for the ones who care for the ones who went to war? There's landmines in the living room and eggshells on the floor. Lost myself in the shadow of your honor and your pain. You stare out of the window as our dreams go down the drain. Invisible. The war after the war. How did you decide to dive into this project? I was asked to be part of Songwriting with Soldiers. I did a single retreat. Actually, uh, I was uh, recommended by Daryl Scott. Uh, and uh, it, it, it was uh, 
an invitation that I didn't know if it was a, a right move for me. I'm a I'm an openly gay woman and very, very leftist. I'm a liberal uh, and proud of it. Uh, and I didn't see how a liberal lesbian was going to be able to help anybody in the military. Uh, it just seemed like what, we're, this, is, this is oil and water. Uh, but I said yes, and from the very minute I got there, from the very first minute we started doing the work, I realized, oh my God, this I am doing to them what I was thinking they were going to do to me, which is... Uh, which has put me in this box of someone that can't can't be can't be trusted. Um, I was doing that to them. It turns out I have everything in common with them. The 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 politics and sexual preference is literally irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> it has nothing to do with this. What it has to do with uh, is pain. And, and I actually have learned more from working with the veterans than I've ever learned anywhere from anyone in my whole life. Uh, and uh, the lessons are, 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 are still coming. Uh, and, and one of the things I learned is that these stereotypes uh, are a waste of time. Um, that uh, we are not those things. Those are, are, are not who we are. Those are labels. Those yeah. boxes are created to divide us. The other song that killed me on that record is uh, Bullet Holes in the Sky. And the idea that we're supposed to, you know, these soldiers are supposed to keep their faith in a good higher power that's watching over them, that they're praying to. They believe in heaven. They believe in these angels watching over them. Um, and then people say, thank you for your service. They go to Sunday. They pray for the show. You know, Sunday they go to church. They pray for the soldiers. And then they kind of forget about it, you know as you know the the sky is torn with these bullet holes of these mm -hmm. battles you know uh as you're sitting in your studio you have a ukrainian flag behind you that's right and it is hard to read these daily dispatches from you know these cities that are completely leveled to the ground i mean it's like it's like you're looking at world war ii footage but it's right now you know and there's gonna be an entire generation of these young people and these people fighting over there that are going to be traumatized and broken and um you know do you see something like ukraine happen and um have to turn off the coverage sometimes i mean is it too much yeah it is and yet you know the urgency is there to do something you know we did a online show with Gretchen Peters and Barry Walsh for an organization that's helping uh, the kids, the kids who are, who are being traumatized in, by, by the millions. Um, but the, the cycle of war, uh, it, 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 it is never ending. Uh, and we know what happens. We know how it impacts uh, 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 the soul of a human being, the emotions, the life of a human being. We know, we, we have all the information, but we just don't have the development to, to stop it. Um, and so, you know, I look at my time with the veterans and the Rifles and Rosary Beads record as a prayer for peace. Without ever using the word peace once, um, it's a prayer for peace. Every song I've written with a soldier is a prayer for peace. And it's not a direct 
prayer for peace like John Lennon's Imagine is, uh, but right. it is by telling the true story, uh, it, it is pulling, pulling the veil off of the lie and showing whoever wants to see uh, the reality of what happens. This doesn't, this, this just goes on and on and on and doesn't solve the, the anything. It creates so many more problems. song on your new record the meadow right i think it's about being grateful to have that person that you can tell your pain to right that people need to find that special person in their life maybe it's a friend maybe it's a family member maybe it's a lover you know where you can tell all that stuff to can you read that verse if you can remember it of i have so much to tell you i'm ready to come clean because i love i love that one yeah, thank you. You know, I wrote that song after reading a book written by Odie Lindsay. He's a professor at Vanderbilt, and he's a friend of mine, and he's a veteran. And the book is written from the perspective of a female soldier. And the female soldier is trying to stay in a good relationship and doesn't know how to stay. Mm. And so uh, it's very perceptive of you to pick that up in that song. Uh, so she's, a, she's got PTSD. She's, she's, she's seen action. Uh, in in the war uh, in the Middle East uh, and she's trying to stay in this relationship with this guy who really loves her and she doesn't know how to stay and she wants to stay and in the book it's called uh, Some Go Home we don't know what happens in the end and so I went to the end of the book and tried to keep it going and what I have her doing in my imagination is is uh, I don't know if she's going back, but she wants to go back. And so I have so much to tell you. I'm ready to come clean. I'm so tired of running from things I cannot leave. 
you and me and Mississippi, battled, beautiful, scarred, we're in need of forgiveness and the grace of God. We could lay down in the grass Till the feelings pass Then go home I can see these through lines from earlier work, you know, and sometimes it's just an accident that a song comes up next in, in the shuffle on, on Spotify. But some for some reason, I, I started listening to that tune from uh, Between Daylight and Dark, your record from 2017, I Ain't Leaving, which feels like it's like almost like an extra outro of the meadow, you know? Yeah, um, it's the and that opening line, that opening line broken on the inside, I used to say, right? Sort of, well, it's like the excuse that it can get me out of anything. Like, yeah, well, you know, I'm just, I'm broken, so I can leave and no, nothing's going to matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's the old Towns Van Zant, and nothing looks better than a town in my rearview mirror. Yeah, the romanticization of attachment disorder, uh, and uh, uh, and turning, trying desperately to turn that around, um, uh, and it taking a whole lifetime for me to. It's like turning around the, you know the. The Queen Mary with my teeth, and it's been so hard to turn that around. Uh, it's almost as if when I was born, my my birth mother handed me off. Uh, she left. She never came back, and I got put in motion, and I had to figure out how to stop. And it's been so hard. Uh, and yet I think I think I'm there. Um, I pray I'm there. Uh, and that's the joy of this record, is I feel like I've fully attached to someone in a way that I've never been able to before. And uh, that is is uh, uh, an incredible experience for someone. I've been through so many relationships that I felt like I had to leave. And, and um, God, I didn't even know why, you know. And so that song, I Ain't Leaving, you know, I'm staying. And then there's something in it that rings hollow. It's the kid, you know, whistling in the dark, and I, I ended up leaving. Do you think you've ever forgiven your mom? Yes. I was able to, to, to forgive when I was able to experience empathy. And I had to do that as a songwriter more than a human being. It was hard to get there as a human being. As a human being, I'm just, like, pissed. Like, look, I found you, lady. Can't you just talk to me? Let's just have a coffee or something. Don't you want to see what I look like? I mean, I want to see what you look like. I'm your daughter. And she can't. Yeah, and as yeah. a person, I'm like, well, damn, that's rough, lady. But as an artist, I was able to, oh, she is terrified. If she were to face me, she would have to face her. Right. And she's built her whole life on this lie. She never told anybody in her life that she had me. It would make her blow up her life to meet me. And that platform that she built it on would become the floor that drops out and she's hanging under a noose. It would kill her. She can't. I got there as an artist and experienced empathy and in that way, it drained the anger. And I can still get angry but it's not fueled by the intensity at all. 
that it was before. There's that passage in your book when you talk about writing songs as a way to get through the confusion and to ward off desperation, to untangle all the emotions that can't ever find the threads that connects them, you know, (laughs) and um, a song can change a heart by creating empathy, right? You said that right in your book. Now, I think the thing that I'm wrestling with as a songwriter is feeling that there's forces at play, politicians, congressmen, judges who are setting in motion policies or things that are going to affect people around me, women especially, and I have a newborn daughter, right? And I see them passing this thing that's going to overturn Roe v. Wade. And I'm like, why does she have to bear the brunt of that? And I don't feel any empathy for these people at all. It feels like we're on different planets shooting laser guns at each other. And we, it's like, how do we bridge that gap where you can go, listen, this law that you're going to change, that you're desperately trying to overturn, is going to create so much terror and pain for so many people, especially women. Um, how do I have empathy for those people? And I don't know. Maybe I don't. Maybe there's, maybe it's not possible. Yeah, I don't like them either. And, and I think that uh, for the most part, uh, they're going to shoot off. They're going to, they're going to, they're shooting themselves in the foot. And uh, I, I think they're like the dog that caught the car. Now, what are they going to do? Because this is not what America wants. And people will turn against this. Yes, the evangelical right wants it, but the vast majority of Americans do not. Right. Uh, and, uh, uh, I don't feel the need to have to have empathy for them. Right. Um, but there's things in my personal life that if I carry that wound into every interaction that I have, it makes it hard for me to love. Um, so do I need to love, you know, Amy Comey, whatever her middle name, Barrett? I do not love her. <laughs> I think she's a disaster, and I can't believe she's in the notorious RBG seat. It pisses me off. However, she's not in my personal life. I don't carry this aching wound around her uh, that's personal. I just don't like her. I don't agree with her, and it's a a horror show uh, for me that she's in the Supreme Court for life. Uh, But I don't hate her. There's not a burning... It's not a, yeah, it's going to affect people that I love her decisions, but I don't have this, like, I need to get a gun and kill her hatred. I don't have that. I don't have a wound uh, that's direct and and intimate from from this. Uh, That said, I'm with you, man. I I am in, I'm in shock and I'm, I'm, I'm scared and, and I'm hoping that, that the story doesn't end this way. I, I believe that it won't. I believe if they really do do this, that the backlash is going to be fast and it's going to be hard. And if they're going to do it, then I say do it before the midterm so we get to vote. Let's go. Okay, game on. Let's roll. And uh, we're going to have to do things 
that we that uh, we're gonna have to get rid of the filibuster. We're gonna have to expand the court by three seats. We're gonna have to blow shit up. If that's what they're gonna do, then okay, let's let's see what we're gonna do. I don't. I'm not gonna go with this is how the story ends. It's not. Um, there's a back and forth, and and I look to things that are hopeful to me too, like the new White House press secretary is a black lesbian woman. Yeah. Like, okay, I didn't imagine that in my lifetime ever, not ever, not no way. I mean, I, gay marriage was shocking to me that in my lifetime we have it. We'll probably have it taken away, and then we'll probably get it back. But there's this motion. Everything is in play still. Uh, right. And uh, the young, young people are <laughs> they are amazing. They're saying things beyond my understanding. Like, no, I refuse to accept gender. Like wow, I'm just a, I'm a very, uh, I'm a very amused old lesbian. This is wild to me, uh, and it, I, I couldn't have foreseen it. So, um, uh, yeah, it's complicated, but it's in motion. When you were adopted, you were in, you were put into a pretty Catholic family, right, in the South. Oh, I came through a Catholic agency, and that was the requirement of the Catholic agency. They had to prove their Catholicism more than their stability. <laughs> That's just how it was. That's probably how it is. Do you have a sense of faith? Uh, you know, I, I, I think music and song, um, to me, creativity and being an artist is a belief system. Uh, and it's certainly bigger than me. Uh, I, I believe that um, uh, community connection and love are, are probably the most important things. Uh, and that comes through uh, humility uh, and service. Uh, but I don't, it's not a doctrine that was put into uh, play by uh, 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 an organized religion. Um, I'm in a 12-step recovery. Uh, so uh, I've had to work on these beliefs and come to terms with what it is that I can sort of hang my life on. And I think it's love. I think it's, it's the force of love. And that's what I got. And it doesn't really get more complicated than that because if it does, I don't understand it anymore. Well, you put that scene into uh, the song, How Could You Be Gone? You know, sort of mourning some of these people that you love, maybe it's John Prine and others who passed away during these last few years um where you know you see that cross with roses on it and um we hang our heads to pray and the preacher tells us what to say right that we're sort of led i guess like sheep to sort of be like okay well this is what you do when someone dies and uh, we mourn them in this certain prescribed way but the real question is like how how could they be gone? Like, how could they not be part of our lives? And I think that's the, the thing we always wrestle with uh, when it comes to death, you know, like this person that made our world go round suddenly is gone forever. Not, not there. How can that be possible? You know, and that song, I think, wrestles with that in a beautiful way. Yeah, thank you. We can't grasp eternity. We can't. We, th 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 there's no way to grasp eternity. Not fully. Turn the key, make the drive. Park and watch the cars arrive. 
friends I never knew you had It's moving slow, it's moving fast I walk by your photograph I hear your voice, I hear your laugh Everybody's dressed in black I still think you're coming back Gone forever? There's. Yeah, but no. Okay? I'm going with no. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But I don't know what that means. I want to believe that our spirits will find each other in this next chapter after we're not physical. And I don't know what that means, and I'm not going to try to know what that means because we can't know what that means. But on a good day, I can check the box that says, I choose to believe that. Because I love you so much, and I want that to be true. If there were someone from your past that you lost, that you could bring back and have a conversation with, like go out to dinner with, who would Mm. that person be? Oh, my grandmother. Yeah, and my my absolutely crazy family. Uh, And my family that adopted me was, wow. She was the one force that I knew loved me. She did. She loved me. And uh, she proved it over and over again. And uh, she died when I was 15. And I was too young. Uh, And I was, oh, godzo on drugs. Uh, And I would love to meet her as an adult. uh, and, And thank her. I think I'm probably alive because of my grandmother. When you sing a song like Mercy now, do you um, sort of have to put yourself sort of in that list of people that you're sort of forgiving, like your dad, your brother? Like, do you have to forgive yourself for the pain that you put yourself through? And other people. Yeah, there's no there's no addict of my magnitude who hasn't hurt a lot of people. Um, Yes. Yes, that's why that last, yeah, we all could use a little mercy now, and we don't deserve it. And that came from uh, a conversation I had with my sponsor. I have a, a sponsor in, in my 12-step recovery. Uh, and uh, I called him one day and was going on about something I thought I deserved that I didn't get in the music business, some record deal. And... Uh, he goes, oh, Mary Gaucher, you want what you think you deserve. You know what? <laughs> Given some of the behaviors you've exhibited in your recovery, not to mention your active addiction, if you were to get what you actually deserved, you wouldn't want anything to do with it. And I thought, oh, my God, he's right. I need to get back to humility. I don't want what I deserve. Thank you, Lord, for not giving me what I actually deserve. Uh, I think that the song Mercy Now is based in this sort of uh, head-hung humility in front of grace. And uh, it, it, was, it was given to me after that conversation with Bobby, that, that sense of, wow, yeah, I've been given so much more than I ever deserved. I love my brother. He could use some mercy now.
church in my country could use a little mercy now. As they sank into a poison pit, it's gonna take forever to climb out. Take us out uh, with uh, what's one song that we haven't talked about on the new record that you want to talk about? Hmm. Well, I don't think we talked about the dark, the title track, really. Okay. Um, I got that uh, title from a speech Dr. King gave. It's right out of a Martin Luther King speech. Uh, and the, the, the idea is that even though this may be be the worst of times uh, inside it we can envision the best of times things become clear when things are hard what matters starts to shine and I think that that is a complex uh, truth that inside of grief and loss is clarity it brings Mm. clarity to what matters uh, and that's what we tried to capture with that song, that that sense that what matters is coming to the surface and that the love that I've received from the people that I've lost is mine to keep. I don't get to experience them in physical form anymore, but I carry with me the love that John Prine gave me, the love that Nancy Griffith gave me and mm. David Olney gave me and the the love even the grumpy guy clark gave me he was very kind to me on mm. the road um he could be he could he could destroy a sound man uh but always ended that that with and you make sure mary gochet gets what she needs here tonight <laughs> she can use anything of mine that's on this stage all right and then he'd walk away in cigarette smoke it was extraordinary what he did for me um, and so that's in that song that I get to keep that that love that 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 was a gift, and I don't have to let it go. Uh, so it's complex thought and a complex song. And uh, thanks for letting me talk about it. June third, anywhere you buy music today. <laughs> Curse the clock. Time is a thief. Every life it measures brief Every child is born to die But the soul is born to fly Under heaven's canopy Lightning bugs inside a jar It's dark enough to see the stars There she goes now, Mary Gaucher, everyone. Dark enough to see the stars. The album comes out June 3rd on 30 Tigers. Please support new music and amazing songwriters like Mary. 
If you want to check out her tour dates and her book, which I highly recommend, go to marygauthier.com. That's M-A-R-Y-G-A-U-T-H-I-E-R.com. She'll be playing uh, in Nashville and uh, in uh, Vienna, Virginia at Jam and Java June 8th. Ramshead on stage in Annapolis June 9th and more. So please check that out. And if you go to the bluegrasssituation.com, our mothership, you'll see that the wonderful Harmonics podcast with Beth Bears featured Mary as their episode 7 in October 2020. What a great episode. Please check it out. As I mentioned earlier, my group Dust Bowl Revival will be playing a big hometown show June 11th at the Venice West in L.A. And we'll be heading to New England June 24th, 5th, and 6th, Massachusetts and Connecticut. Okay, that's it for me. The show on the road is written, produced, and edited by yours truly, Zach Lupinton, and we are part of the BGS Podcast Network. Stay safe, and we'll see you on the trail. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.